I've always enjoyed learning from the men because, you know, a lot of times they're hands-on, they're right there, and they're willing and ready to help educate me with different things, and it's helped me tremendously. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Calling all women who love their ride. I would like to introduce you to a -a one-of-a-kind women's motor fest. You will not want to miss this sisterhood celebration of women-owned whips, cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs. If it has a motor, it belongs. Ladies, this is our motor fest. Boys are welcome to attend but the spotlight will be owned by the women in their whips. Check out all the details by visiting womensmotorfest.com. Sonora Early is in the driver's seat today. She is the owner of Clamp Tight Tools, an innovative tool that is widely used in multiple industries. She started her long-term career in the industry as a little girl going to work with her dad. Her father submitted the original patent for the clamp type tool, and Sonora expanded and improved on that patent. Now let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Sonora early in the driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Sonora? Doing well. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well. We've had the luxury of working very closely together over three months, right? We met at Good Guys Nationals here in Columbus, Ohio. I saw you and your daughter presenting and demonstrating your product, and it sucked me into it. First, it sucked me in because I saw two women at a booth talking intelligently about the tool, not just for show, right? So that caught my eye. And then once I started to get to know you, I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. I'm loving this. And then we had some cool conversations and one thing led to another. And crazy enough, you're actually a client for my sister company, Femcanic Tools, which is consulting and helping businesses grow their revenue and really hone in on their business plan. So we have a lot more history than... I normally have with my guests. So here we are. It's good talking to you again. Great to see you on, even if it's just camera. (laughs) Yeah, right. So I'm kind of cheating because I know a little bit about your journey, right? And when I walk into these interviews normally, I have some of an idea from the driver's seat forum, but not nearly as much information as what I have right now. But the part that I haven't really dug into with you is where it all started. You're linked to the automotive and skilled trades industries through the tool that your company offers. But I want to go back to little Sonora, the little girl. Like, did you always know you were going to be in your family business? It's kind of been off and on. Sometimes I would picture myself there. And then the other times it's like, uh, I don't know. I just, maybe I should just leave this with the guys and let them do those type of things. 
and then I would come back and do some more shows and I would just get so jazzed about the trade shows and talking to the guys and not just automotive oh my goodness we do fly-ins we do boat shows we've sold to Boeing we've sold to Lockheed Martin aerospace stuff so it's like okay I think the guys need to do this nope I think I have to stay in this because of the history and my dad and the invention and the whole the whole thing. Let's go back to then. So your father was kind of a serial entrepreneur and maybe even a serial inventor. He had multiple patents. You improved on his tool and submitted for another patent. Being a young girl in that particular industry. What was that like for you? You know, I just enjoyed learning things from my dad. He was incredibly intelligent. He had 34 patents and he invented chain grinders that sharpen the chains on chainsaws. If you ever Google, it's Sylvie Precision Chain Grinders. So that's where it all started. I worked in the machine shop. I got to put in the little set screws. I got to do the drill presses as I got a little bit older And then I could do, anyway, different things in the shop. It was just something I always enjoyed. So did you ever feel different at all? I imagine you were probably the minority in the sense that there probably wasn't a lot of young girls or women in the machine shop. Was that accurate? Typically, at the machine shop, I was the only girl and obviously the only kid starting at eight years old. But I never felt out of place. It just felt like at home. It just felt like kind of, it was, it was my dad's business and we were always a part of it. And I would think later on, as I got older, it was, oh, I thought everybody's dad invented things. And you know, in your mind, (laughs) yeah, I thought everybody was, had a machine shop. You know, it's just unusual how you think when you're kids. Literally at the age of eight, you were in the machine shop working with your dad, side by side, (laughs) building stuff. Exactly. We started getting our checks when we were eight years old. And with what we spent with that check was we bought our own uh, school clothes. So dad taught us how to work, how to make money, and then to spend it wisely. Here you are eight, you're going through school, you graduate high school. What was next for Sonora? Was it just kind of seamless and you just knew, okay, this is the direction I'm going to be going. I'm going to stay in the family business. Or was there like the rebellious teenager where it's like, no, I'm going to try something else. You know, it really wasn't like that because that patent of my dad's that he applied for and then he got in 92, I was in my twenties. I had stepped away from the machine shop, uh, got married. I have a daughter. I had stepped away when dad started with the clamp tight. By that time I was, I think I was almost 30. And that's when that started. What, I guess, triggered the idea for the invention of the clamp tight tool? In the day in the 70s, my dad was paying, and it was a lot of money back then. It was $300 to heat the swimming pool as kids. So he decided to solar heat it with some PVC pipe and some uh, polybutylene pipe and could not find a hose clamp that would seal it. He just had leaks. He had problems. He tried every kind of hose clamp, just wouldn't work, especially with the bins that he was trying to do and the different things. And he put that on the back burner. As kids got a little bit older, 
moved out. He still had that house, but he got sidetracked in the 70s uh, to just not to deal with that. Later on, my father, he sold the business to my brother, the uh, Sylvie chain grinder, mm -hmm. and then he retired. Being an entrepreneur, being a worker all his life, that didn't last very long. It didn't work for him, so he chose to pursue the clamp type, and he wanted to do that for the girls. About when would you say clamp tight was actually launched then, the clamp tight tools brand? If I remember correctly, it was 89. We were at in Vegas at the hardware show. The patent was pending at that point. And then in 92, that patent was approved. And so it was that was that window of about two, three years because to get a patent and then if it's pending and if you make some changes, it's a bit of a process. What was your experience working with him? Like when he was going through that process to even get to be able to submit a patent? He had worked with that process or with that product. And I'm sure he had some prototypes. And what he submitted, it was resubmitted for some changes. And so we still have some of the older tools that my dad had, that same design of dad's. I've changed it since then. Oh, wow. But that's what we sold at the uh, hardware show in Vegas and then some of the air shows as well as farm shows. Oh, wow. That's so neat. Explain to people because the brand is Clamp Tight Tools and help people understand because when people think of clamps, they may have this visual in their head of what a clamp is. But what drew me into the booth is how unique it is. And quite honestly, I have an engineering mind. And when you explained it to me and I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. Because I've worked on cars, I've tinkered in those typical hose clamps, right? You get your screwdriver, you tighten it. So that's what I had in my head. And then when I saw this and it just blew my mind. And we'll get some visuals up for people to see it as well. But Explain to people how it works. And you have a tool there, but I don't know if you have anything that you could actually show it. You know, I have the tool and I can kind of talk you through it, although I don't have my side cutters and I don't have a demo hose and I should have done that. But so basically, and it's so funny because at the end of the a demo or people purchase from me, they'll say, thank you for the education. <laughs> never really thought about it that way, but I guess it's really the truth because people don't understand so much about wire and I sure didn't. And so I've learned a whole lot, you know, from different people and different things. But what the tool does is it tightens the wire by delivering a straight pull to the wire. So you loop the wire around the project. So you have the, a stationary pin and this is the pull pin. So you guide the wire over the top of the pens and then connect it to the slide pin. And then instead of twisting the wire like everybody does, mm -hmm. this will gives you a direct pull. Equal direct pull. It actually works like a gear puller. It pushes and pulls the wire at the very same time. So it simultaneously tightens the wire. That's why it works so well is because of that push and pull, and it doesn't create a hot spot on that wire. Now, 
you updated the patent, right, Sonora? What was the update that you did for the tool? There were several things. So with my dad's design, it had a step down. And the wire with a single wrap clamp, that wire will get caught Mm -hmm. on that step. So I tapered the nose as it goes to the body. So that was one of the improvements. The other one is it's all stainless. Dad had a two-piece press fit. So we had either a stainless nose with aluminum body or a plated steel. It's caddy and plated with an aluminum. I wanted to make a snap-on quality tool. So to me, dad had true value. He had craftsmen, but I wanted a snap-on. I wanted the best of the best. The other difference is that T-bar handle because that gives you incredible an advantage of the leverage. It's so much easier to use than the other one. One of the gentlemen, he's uh, one of our dealers. He worked with my dad. He knew the tool. And when I gave him one of these, I said, I just want you to try it. Just see what you think. And he said, no, I'm probably not going to use it because I have sentimental value with what your dad had. And I said, no problem. Just try it. See what you think. So he worked a couple of shows with me and I found out what he said is the dad had this and the daughter improved it. And just so you know, she uh, actually made a better tool out of it. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty cute. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's cool. What was that experience like for you working with your dad? You know, like I said earlier, he was just my dad. I enjoyed time with him all the time. And it didn't matter if we were in the shop or if we were fishing or hunting or in the garage or if we were in the garden, it didn't matter. And little by little by little, you learn more of how that he would think and how he would see things. And then that kind of rubs off on you, the people, you know, on your daughter when you're around him all the time. That's a good thing. All his, his uh, thinking ability. <laughs> you know what I love about that story, Sonora, is that I have a 15-year-old daughter. I have a 12-year-old son. And at the time of this recording, that's their age. And it's cool to hear that because as children, if we put on our daughter or son hat, right, There's definitely a point in our lives where we may have the most brilliant parents in the world and they may suggest something or say something and it just kind of falls on deaf ears. It's not a malicious thing. I think it's a developmental thing, (laughs) right? But to hear that and you're in a position now where you can reflect back on your life, right? Rather than being in it. My kids are in it right now. Mm -hmm. And to hear those things and to think, and remind people, slow down and ask your parents questions about themselves, about their childhood, about their life experiences. Because I'll tell you what, I wrote a book about my grandfather. It's called Grandpa's Wisdom. And each person has the it person for them. That one person in their life that is that it person, right? My grandfather was that person to me. And for me, I was the only one because of that book where I actually sat him down and asked him lots of questions about himself. And I think we all have a tendency to not slow down and observe and ask questions of our elders. And that's what you did with your dad. And it happened not because you were intentionally doing it. 
it's because you were in proximity of them. You know, kids, their faces are buried in their phones or technology. And sometimes if we're just in proximity of people, fill in the blank of who that person is, just because you're in proximity, you start to learn those things. Absolutely. That little story has such a powerful lesson in it where if we just slow down, pull our faces out of our phone and technology, and that's all ages, let's be honest. There's adults who have their face buried in the phone sometimes more than kids. Let's just be real about stuff. And just be in the proximity and see what you can learn from each other. Absolutely. I totally agree. That's such a beautiful message right there. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's very, very powerful. So here you were learning from him, even though it may not have been intentional, but you were in proximity of him and you got to figure out and observe how he thinks about things, his thought process. And in turn, that probably played a part in some way of how you process things and think, which then in turn, you took his thinking, his original idea and improved upon it. Yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying because dad had an ability to think out of the box. And so as I got older, I would see situations and how that they're going to fix something or correct something. And I'm like, no, dad would have done it this way (laughs) because it was better, more efficient, save time, money. I mean, it was all those things. It's one of my dad's employees. He made the comment because my dad was not uh, college educated. He had an engineering mind. Many ways he was an engineer, although he wasn't doesn't have that education. Yeah. But it was interesting. A gentleman that worked for him, he said, that's the reason why your dad was so successful is because he had the ability to think out of the box. Nobody told him how to think. He thought it out himself. He figured it out. And so many times, I mean, education helps us in so many ways, but look past that. Yeah. Think of practical ways to do things. Think about the common sense of things because... That's so important. That's powerful because when you're there with heated situation, you've got to figure it out. Give your brain the ability to do that. Give the time to think it out. And what I observe now, Sonora, is a true lack of problem solving skills. I see a lot of younger people and I'll say, you know, 20s, 30s, teenagers that really struggle with basic problem solving skills. That saddens me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things where it's like, I'll tell my kiddos like, hey, go do this. And they look at me like deer in a headlight. And I'm like, figure it out. It's like our youth has been trained to wait and be told what to do on everything mm-hmm. or it's all done for them. Yeah. And trust me, I don't do this stuff for my kids. And I will sit there and say, figure it out. And it frustrates them. It frustrates them. But what you described right there, Sonora, and what you did as well, it's getting in there, getting your hands dirty, and doing some trial and error. Exactly. Not waiting for someone to tell you what to do. Just get in there and do it. Done is better than perfect always because you're always going to learn something from it. I totally agree. I have to tell you, when I designed the nut on the top, the top and the bottom look the very same. So we did a hundred nut run and the washer was getting sucked into it. And so I had to sit down and figure out what am I doing wrong? So I got a wing nut 
and it had that flat spot. And I thought, well, that was an easy fix. I just had to look, <laughs> figure it out. So instead of the top being the same as the bottom, I had to make a flat spot so that the washer would have something to push up into it. And my machinist, he said, well, I'm glad you finally figured it out. And I thought, well, me too. <laughs> but it didn't take very long, thank goodness. But it just little things like that, just being able to think it, you know, just think it through, figure out what's going to work, what's going to fix it. This is full of powerful nuggets here. And here you were solving the problem for ensuring that the washer wasn't getting sucked up into it, right? Mm-hmm. That lesson is agnostic. It crosses all verticals, whether you're talking about marketing or events, you know, event planning. What you did is you went, you built it, and you tested it. Yeah, have to. And then if something doesn't work out, then you go back, tweak it, do it again. If something doesn't work out, you go back, you tweak it again. I feel like as a society now, we're in analysis paralysis. <laughs> we want it to be perfect before we do anything. And that is the absolute wrong message. It's the wrong message. And what you did with this tool to improve upon it is an inventor's mind. And it's go, build it, break it, improve upon it. Fix it again. Yeah. Fix it again. Make it better again. But if you got sucked into the analysis paralysis of, will this work? Sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind and just go do it. Just say yes, go do it, learn from it and improve upon it and do it all over again. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's what they call them prototypes. (laughs) You know, you just try it. We've done that even with the small ones, the small tool that we have are many. Because this slide normally is not a problem. But sometimes if you're upside down doing a clamp in a boat or under a car or whatever, that can be a bit of a problem. So we've worked on it with the machinist and we have a design that's be coming out shortly that is a capsulated nut. So what that basically means is this won't happen anymore. So we'll have this one, but we're going to have the other one that's a little more expensive for us to manufacture. I mean, that's the bottom line. We're U.S. made, so that's probably the most expensive place that you could manufacture anything is in the U.S. So I'm just curious, the industries that you have been involved with, all the industries that you mentioned earlier, you go to a lot of events like trade shows, right, to sell the clamp tight tool. Did you ever notice or did it ever occur to you that you were the token female? Because you've been doing this since the 80s, right? Right, yeah. It's improved in the last decade, but when you were like thick in it, and you still are, did you ever notice? Or was it that, hey, I love what I'm doing, that it didn't even occur to you? You know, the truth be told, it was years later that I realized that I was a minority. (laughs) I guess because I had been involved so much and it was common for me to deal with men in a machine shop, at a boat show, at a fly-in. It wasn't a big deal. And it was interesting to me, like my machinist, they would say, well, we got to help the girl. (laughs) Thank you. My wire guy, he's my supplier. And I would call him about different questions and things because I needed a better education 
of the alloys and what they were, how that they worked. And is it a hundred percent annealed or is it what percentage is the wire annealed? And I would call them with a question and they, they would make that comment. No, we're here to help you. You're a minority. <laughs> it didn't dawn on me until later. It's like, you know, I really am, but I just have never had a problem with it. I've always enjoyed learning from the men because they're, you know, a lot of times they're hands-on, they're right there and they're willing and ready to help educate me with different things. And it's helped me tremendously. I agree with you, Sonora. A lot of people have this perception that if you want to help women or female empowerment means male bashing and male disempowerment. And it's the opposite. It is actually the opposite. My biggest cheerleaders and biggest mentors have been men. It's a beautiful thing. And I've been received with nothing but open arms. And if I'm being honest, historically gotten along better with men than women. (laughs) Like, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just seem to connect And my closest friends were always men. Now I had my close girlfriends too, but I don't know. It seemed like my interests were more in line and I have an engineering mind as well. So they were fascinating conversations to me. And I feel the exact same way because I have always just appreciated the education that I've gotten from the men, their willingness to help me. But it's interesting because I've always connected better on that level of business with men. Because we'll talk about size of tires and we'll talk about a transmission and we'll talk about clamps and we'll talk about cars. You know, there was a friend of ours and he said something about one of the Corvettes. I think it was the uh, 50th anniversary was the 2003 of the Vets. And he goes, you know, Sonora, you're right. (laughs) But we had a lot in common that way and could, you know, just enjoy vehicles and things. But my other friends, Patty and Nikki and just other friends of mine, it's, we do talk a little bit about cooking. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, there's some of that. It's just those types of things interest me. That's why like Femcan and Garage, it truly was a coming home for me mm. because the women that I interact with are interested in the same things I'm interested in. It just so happens they're spread all over the United States. <laughs> Right? That's the whole idea of Women's Motor Fest is let's get us all together so that we can enjoy each other's company and hanging out with other women who enjoy the same things versus being the minority. When was the company actually yours? Because was it family owned for a while? Like I imagine your dad owned it initially or was it always established? Bit of a cloudy lines of how all of that had happened. So at one point, all five girls of my father's, my dad's, were involved in the clamp type. Well, then about the time when my dad was getting really, really sick and he passed in 2002, and that is when he had decided that I would kind of hold the torch. So after dad passed, then there's a couple of my sisters that were interested and we did a few shows together and uh, worked a little bit together. But we just had different ideas of life and how to get things accomplished and stuff. And so before dad passed, he had um, had decided that I would be the one that would hold that torch. So I tried to help with my sisters, but it just didn't work out. So that happens. It is. And that's the challenge of family businesses, right? Trying to figure those things out. And it's tough. There's no two ways about it. It's tough. 
What is your vision and goal for clamp tight tools? Because here your father passed the torch to you, right? And you've improved upon the design. You're improving upon the design still to this day. You're not resting on your laurels at all. What's kind of your vision for the company? You know, just to continue to grow the business. I think everybody needs to know about it. Everybody needs to have one because it's not just a clamp making tool. We call it the clamp making tool, but you can use it as a reducer to go from one size fitting to the other. You can use it as a banding tool. A couple of months ago, I pulled down my attic ladder and the side part of the wood had cracked. And I thought, I'm just going to quit, not have to fiddle with it until I'm, it's time. That's the awesome thing about wire is it's malleable. It's very, very strong. And so that wire went around that square two by four and it's solid as can be. So I'll fix it when I have time. I just don't have time right now to do it. But that's that's why I say everybody one not just to make hose clamps, but it's a MacGyver tool. And if you think about what's going on in the nation, we are running out of everything. I was at Columbus at that car show when I met you, he said, I have waited two weeks for a specific host clamp. And he said, had I gotten this, I could have had it fixed and on the way. It's like a survival tool. People expect you to say praises about the product. They may not expect me after seeing the tool. And I love tools that create efficiencies. I'm fascinated by them. <laughs> Your tool creates an ultimate efficiency. And you're right, it is a survival tool. What I love about it is that it's not big. It's small. And yeah. wire doesn't take up a ton of room. Exactly. So I can throw that in my small toolbox and the functionality that it can provide me is endless. People exactly. who live out on homesteads and things, I think are crazy not to have this tool. It can serve so many purposes. Mm -hmm. I could see cabinet makers, wood makers that need to like glue mm -hmm. wood and hold pieces together that this would be brilliant for that. Yeah, that's called a C-clamp. And I have worked like woodworking shows and that's what they use it for is you've got a big piece of wood and you just clamp it around with a piece of wire and there's your C-clamp. Right size, right shape. It didn't cost you $200 for a certain clamp or whatever. But that's what I love about this is the tool, the wire, and it's the right size hose clamp. It's a better hose clamp. It's 10 times stronger than a regular hose clamp. It's 90% lighter. If you're packing something or if you're racing or if you're on a boat, there's your hose clamps instead of a five-gallon bucket that are rusted up and you <laughs> <laughs> right. And they just take up a ton of room. You, you may not have the right size. Like it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, it truly, truly fascinated me. And then when I learned more about you and the company, it's like, this is the good stuff right here. <laughs> like the one thing around Femcanic Tools is about empowering women to go to that next level. Right. But more importantly, get women into the business owner seat. And for the women who are already there, let's get you to a quantum leap. That's the whole idea about it because we need more women in those types of roles so that we have more mentorship in that space. It's a beautiful thing. Sonora Early, owner of Clamp Tight Tools. 
I am a spin mechanic. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website at femcanic.com for swag and the links to the resources shared during this episode. If you want to help grow this community, subscribe, rate, and review. And most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?